Welcome back to another message of biblical inspiration, motivation, and teaching from the Word of God. If this is your first time joining the MANA community, we encourage you to subscribe, let us know that you're here, and how God has blessed you today. Have you ever heard of a place called the tabernacle spoken of in the context of the Bible and God? I can think of so many pictures that come to mind like like a tent, a camp, or even a temple. But what truly was the tabernacle? And what was in it? What was its purpose? What was it for? I will answer all these questions and more from the book of Leviticus today and we'll pray for our personal relationship with God in the end. So let's get right into it. The first thing you need to know about the tabernacle was its purpose. The tabernacle was a place where the presence of God could dwell in the midst of the people. The word tabernacle literally means to dwell. Since God did not dwell in people's hearts until after Jesus' death and resurrection, and trust me, we will talk about that more later, he dwelled in a specific place throughout the Old Testament. Eventually, the tabernacle was replaced by the temple when Solomon built it, but in the time of Leviticus, this is where God lived. The second thing you need to know is this. The tabernacle not only served as a place where the people of Israel could meet God, it also served as a place for worship and sacrifices. For the tabernacle to fulfill all of these purposes, God made it clear that it had to be crafted in a very specific way. So if you've ever built or could design your own home, you too are and would be very detailed in what you want or what you don't want. In Exodus 25-30, and again in 25-40, God gives instructions on how to build and construct His home. Every single aspect was designed in detail so they could get it just right, just like the blueprint to your dream home. The tabernacle had four pieces of furniture in it that each served a special purpose in the functioning of the tabernacle as the dwelling place for God. The first and probably the most important piece of furniture was the Ark of the Covenant. Now, you've heard about it before, but I'm not talking about Indiana Jones here. So what is it? The Ark was a golden box that held the Ten Commandments which God gave to Moses. Remember when he and the children of Israel left Egypt? Here's something you didn't know, though. The Ark could not be directly touched by humans. So they had to carry it using poles. This ark specifically served as God's dwelling place. No human, nobody could touch it. And so you might say, well, what happened if they did? Or what happened if it was misused? Well, there's a couple of examples in the Bible, but let me read you just this one. 1 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Your Bible says... Now the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it to the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. When the Ashdodites arose early the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set him in his place again. 
But when they arose early the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. Therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor all who enter Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. Now the hand of the Lord was heavy on the Ashdodites, and he ravaged them and smote them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territories. That's heavy stuff there that I don't want to be part of. The Philistines had taken the Ark of the Lord, and that was the consequence. Because they took God's dwelling from Israel, the hand of the Lord struck them. The presence of the Lord is a powerful thing that you and I shouldn't take for granted. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus says, For where two or three have gathered in my name, I am there in their midst. You and I need to recognize the power of the presence of the Lord still today and never take that for granted. The tabernacle also had several more items specifically for worship. A table to hold the bowls and utensils used for sacrifices, a seven-branched lampstand made of pure gold and detailed with almond flowers and buds and an altar of incense. All three of these items were specifically for the worship of Yahweh. The table was always supposed to have the bread of the presence on it. The lampstand was always to remain lit. And the high priest was to burn incense on the altar every morning and every evening. These were the exact instructions from God. That's pretty detailed, don't you think? Now, why is this important to us today? Let me set it up. We need to understand the significance of the need for the tabernacle in the first place. See, God couldn't just dwell among the people in all of his glory. He needed a place to live that was considered holy. What I'm getting at is the sinful nature of humanity and that you and I constantly and utterly fall short of God's holy standard and character. Remember when I said we'd definitely get back to Jesus' death and resurrection? Well, here it is. There is a beautiful reason why we don't have tabernacles or even temples like this anymore. After Christ died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, God decided on a new place to live. And guess where? In the hearts of people who believed in him and were born again. Paul says to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Did you catch that? Do you know what that means? It means you are the temple. You are the tabernacle. And that's amazing. Consider the contrast here. Back in the day, the people used to have to go to a tabernacle or a temple to meet with the presence of God. But now, but now, 
God lives inside each of us as born-again believers. At any moment of any day, we're able to communicate, share, listen, and rest with God because He lives inside each of us. This greatness comes with responsibility too, though. It means we should serve as a tabernacle and temple for other people. When people meet with us, they should feel God. When people see us, they should see God. Yet, how often is this the case with you and I? Paul urges us in Ephesians 4 and 1, he says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. We are to live in a way that is worthy of being the temple of the Lord. How are you doing that? Leave us a comment. We respond to all of them. The tabernacle served its purpose well, and now you and I are charged to serve as a place of worship and meeting with God. Take a moment to reflect with me on this. When people meet with you, do they walk away feeling full and blessed? Or do they walk away feeling hurt, frustrated, or even angry? We have to be careful about what we're portraying to people, not for our own sake, but for the sake of the name of God. Let the way that we serve as God's temples for others be a testament of His goodness, His grace, His power, all over the world to every nation and all people. Saints of God, let us pray. God, we thank you for your presence in our lives. We would not be able to do anything without you. We thank you that you have chosen to dwell in the hearts of mankind so that we can be close to you and have a personal relationship with you in all of your glory. God, we pray that we would be testaments of your goodness and grace everywhere that we go. We pray that we would live in a way that is worthy of being your temple. We ask these things, all these things, in your name, Jesus. Amen and amen.